0: Chapter 43, Rise of the Plankton Queen Principal Weatherwax, as a substitute, had its advantages, but nobody objected when the original home eck queen returned. Besides an occasional grimace of pain when she sat, Ms. Winkle seemed her old self. According to the cross-crier, the police still hadn't found the kids who'd attacked her. After last period, Ms. Winkle caught Nix before she left, you mind if I take a look under your bandages? See if you're healing properly? Nix couldn't reply for a moment. The question was so unexpected she had to reorder her thoughts. You want me to take my bandages off? I'll do it. Nix didn't protest while Ms. Winkle picked at the tape and unrolled the gauze. She was a doctor, supposedly, and Nix had seen Ms. Winkle's nasty wound. But it was still a strange request. Ms. Winkle sniffed. Nix, honey, these wounds were not made by a knife. Isn't that what you told the police? Well, it's what I told Tiago's mom. I guess she talked to the police. So you weren't attacked by a man wearing a pillowcase? How did it really happen? You didn't go back to the trailer, did you? Wait, what? The classroom door opened and Mr. Urbanek entered. Afternoon, Dee. Miss Winkle pursed her lips. I asked for Vanessa to join us. Urbanek swallowed, then sat at a desk two down from Nick's. Apparently she couldn't be located. Ms. Winkle pasted on a patronizing smile. Thank you, Mr. Urbanek, but I'll be fine on my own. Her words were like shards of glass. The vice principal wants me to report back to him. Of course he does. nick blinked. There was definitely something else going on here. Urbanek seemed almost embarrassed, and Ms. Winkle was a single lip twitch away from sneering. After an eight-months-pregnant pause, both teachers looked at Nix, who pulled the wet fabric away from her armpits. What was this, a faculty meeting? Ms. Winkle produced a giant first-aid kit from under her desk and began to replace Nix's bandages. Nix tried not to wince. The painkillers were starting to wear off. As Ms. Winkle worked, she said, Dear, we really have to talk about where you got these injuries, and I need you to tell me the truth. Nix swallowed. I'm not sure you'd believe me. Urbanek rolled his eyes. Ms. Winkle smiled, a real one this time. As long as it's the truth, I promise I'll believe you. Although this claim seemed pretty ridiculous, Nix suddenly felt as if she could tell Ms. Winkle anything. But in the process, she would also be telling McGuckin and Urbanek. Nyx nodded hesitantly and glanced at the chemistry teacher. She didn't see how the truth could get her into any trouble, only major embarrassment if it got out but she couldn't bring herself to lie to Ms. Winkle after a declaration like that. Well, to lie more than was strictly necessary. I didn't actually catch the man who broke into Sarah's house. After my search, I was really tired, but Tiago wasn't home, so I kind of passed out in his treehouse. Why are we even... Ms. Winkle put up a hand to quiet Urbanek. Anyway, Nick said, I woke up to a couple of enormous opossums trying to eat my face. Urbanek and Ms. Winkle both laughed. But Miss Winkle stopped immediately when she saw Nix's expression. "'Oh, you're serious. I'm so sorry, Nix. I do believe you.' "'That makes one of us,' Urbanek mumbled. "'If anyone is hurting you, Nix, including your foster parents, I want you to know it's not your fault.' "'I appreciate your concern,' Nix said. "'I've just had an eventful few weeks. The cherries aren't torturing me. I promise.' Urbanek glanced at his watch. "'Can we get to the fire?' Ms. Winkle chewed the inside of her lip. It was clear she'd rather do this without Urban watching, but seemed to decide it couldn't be helped. "'They've already ruled the house fire an accident,' Ms. Winkle said. "'But I'd feel more comfortable knowing the real reason you and Jordan wanted to see it, especially since I was the one who gave you a ride.'" Nix's mind raced. She was fairly certain the truth wouldn't send anyone to jail, but maybe there was a way she could use this to her advantage. I'll tell you on one condition. Urbanek sat up straighter. Ms. Winkle raised an eyebrow. Nix tried to keep her expression businesslike. You tell me who really beat you up in the parking lot. Ms. Winkle glanced at Urbanek. I'm sorry, I really can't. It was Loaf and Danny, wasn't it? Ms. Winkle's confusion was obvious. Of course not. Why in the world would you suspect them? Mr. Urbanek wiped his forehead with his necktie and rested his chin in his hand. Nix covered her eyes. Naturally, Brian would be lying about that, too. Brian who? The nurse? How would he know anything about it? The door creaked open and Jordan's head appeared. Uh, rehearsal starts in two minutes, Nix. Jordan, tell Ms. Winkle what Brian told us. Jordan slowly stepped inside. About Sarah and Fawn? Ms. Winkle put both hands up. Listen, before we go any further... You should know that anything Brian said can't be trusted. Mr. Urbanek leaned forward. It was Brian. I thought you liked him, Jordan said with a sway of his hips. He's so dreamy. Mr. Urbanek looked extremely uncomfortable. Ignore Jordan, Nick said. We know Brian is a liar. Ms. Winkle nodded. And how. At the hospital, he lied about things that didn't matter. He said his uncle was the senator of New Jersey, but didn't seem to know there are two senators. And he changed the subject when I asked his name. Urbanet groaned in a someone-please-kill-me way. Jordan made a face. What is his issue? Does he just want attention or what? He also claimed that as a high school student, he sang in King Lear on Broadway. When I got home, I checked. King Lear is not nor has it ever been a musical. We get it, Mr. Urbanek said. Brian is a liar. Now can we get back to the topic at hand? Nix stood and strode toward the door. I dreamed about the fire the night before it happened. She motioned for Jordan to follow her. It seemed like too big of a coincidence, and I didn't think anyone would believe me. Anyway, that pretty much covers it. Talk to you later. She slipped into the hall. Nix and Jordan jogged in the direction of the auditorium. Are you trying to get arrested? Jordan asked. Don't say anything to Sarah or Tiago. About what? Nix shook her head. There's way more to the story, and we need to get our facts straight. I'm so confused. We'll talk afterward. Nix held the auditorium door open for Jordan. For now, pretend nothing's changed. Inside, a tangle of red hair cartwheeled up the aisle. It was safe to assume it wasn't Portia. I know you don't want to hurt the crazy girl's feelings, Jordan said, but that doesn't mean I have to go down with the ship. He made off along one of the rows. Hail, High Queen of Plankton! Beryl stood and brushed the hair from her bright red face. Hi, Beryl, Nick said. How's the music coming? Pretty good. The hardest thing is reading Miss Finkbone's scribbly notes. She held up a few pages that looked like a handwritten choir manuscript. Miss Finkbone wrote the score? How had Beryl cartwheeled with a handful of sheet music? She must have just tweaked the words of the original, added key changes, stuff like that. Nick's head throbbed. Maybe she should have stayed home a few days to recover. Beryl sucked on the sleeve of her sweater. But of course she had to rewrite most of the script. Talking trees and witches on broomsticks wouldn't make much sense in an undersea setting. As more students wandered in, the opportunity to embarrass a few others seemed irresistible to Beryl, and she cartwheeled back down the aisle without dropping a single page of music. Nix didn't notice anyone trying to get things started yet, so she made a circuit around the auditorium. She finally found Jordan reading backstage. She sat on the floor next to him and pulled her feet up under her. "'Thanks for abandoning me,' Jordan chuckled. "'Speaking of dorks, we should really try to figure out Brian's angle.' "'Later. There are too many ears.' "'You're lucky I'm a good friend. I really want to make a joke about your missing appendage.' "'Thank you for refraining. Did you know Mrs. Finkbone wrote the script and some of the music for this thing?' "'You seem to be taking the one-ear thing pretty well.' Maybe it'll make me more interesting. Besides, I can always cover it with my hair. You didn't answer me about Finkbone writing the play. We should write one together. Jordan made a face like he could if he wanted, but would never stoop so low. Someone should tell Finkbone piranhas are freshwater fish. The sound of preening peacocks filled the auditorium. Fawn strutted in, followed by her entourage of sycophants. None of Fawn's friends had gotten parts, but they all came to bask in Fawn's brilliance for three hours. "'I wonder where she is,' Jordan said. "'Who?' "'Mrs. Finkbone. It's already ten past four. "'Maybe making last-minute changes to the script?' Nick scooted behind a curtain in case Fawn decided to come on stage. She winced with pain. "'What is it?' Jordan asked. "'My—' Nyx hesitated. Did she really want to tell him? He'd probably pester her until she cracked. "'You have to swear to take it to your grave.' "'Ooh, juicy. Spill.' the skin graft from my cheek and head? Yes. They took it from my bottom. Jordan's eyes went sparkly. You're a literal butt face. If you say anything to anyone, you'll need a butt graft of your own. Jordan giggled and went back to his book. Nix was glad she'd told him. Sometimes Jordan's ability to turn anything into a joke was just what she needed, but she still had to pretend to be angry a little longer. She didn't want him to think it was okay to start telling people her secrets. Shouldn't you be learning your lines instead of whatever that is you're reading? The Bible, Jordan said, and I've already learned my lines. Like, the Bible Bible? When did this start? Do you know some guy went from shepherd to pharaoh just because he was hot? Nick smirked. If you're talking about Joseph, I'm pretty sure there were other factors involved. Jordan's white eyebrows arched. You know the Bible? My mom has the musical on cassette. Seriously, the old pharaoh was like, come on out of prison and marry my daughter. I want beautiful grandbabies. Is that the soap opera version? It's like reading Tiago's life story, Jordan said with a bitter laugh. Nix blinked. How had they transitioned to Tiago? I suppose Alfie does enjoy a certain influence the rest of us lack, but I don't think they'll elect him pharaoh if that makes you feel any better. Don't get me wrong, I know it's not his fault, but... Yeah, I know what you mean. It seems kind of unfair. Jordan sighed. I sound like a jealous baby. A jealous, ugly baby. Nick narrowed her eyes. First of all, there's no such thing as an ugly baby. Second, you are neither. Anyway, I'm sure Tiago's life isn't perfect. He's probably got some secret issue we know nothing about. Like menopause or something. Jordan's expression more than adequately conveyed his disgust. Nix grinned. He can keep his life, Jordan said once they'd stopped giggling. He's only got one thing I wish I had. A hot brother? Yes, that's it. No, but for real, what is it? You guessed it. I wish Amy were a boy, and super attractive. Nix rolled her eyes. Fine, keep your dumb boy secrets. Meanwhile, since you're done with your script, let me have it. Only people with more than two lines got to take one home. Jordan pulled the photocopied script out of his back pocket and handed it to her. Nix leaned against a black prop box and began to read. Of course, she'd memorized her own lines in the first two minutes of rehearsal the day before, but it wouldn't hurt to get the context down. Almost an hour later, Mrs. Finkbone finally showed up, mumbling about having a million things to do. She seemed a bit frazzled. After adjusting her bun and straightening her cat paw necklace, she gathered the cast into a circle for a script run-through. Jordan hadn't been kidding about having his lines memorized. Not only was Mrs. Finkbone impressed, she went on for a full minute about how all the other cast members should be as dedicated, earning him a few angry glares and even whispers of Polly Pucker II. After that, Jordan read from the script. Nix liked watching the cast as they sat waiting for their turn to read. Some looked bored, most a little nervous. Fawn seemed agitated and kept glancing towards Sarah. Fifteen minutes into the reading, Nix had delivered both her lines and retreated toward the audience seats, where Tiago and Sarah sat talking. Hi, Sarah, Nix said. I'm glad you got a part. Thanks, although I'm not sure it's much of one. Try being a piranha, Tiago said. According to the script, I have to chomp my teeth for an entire scene while running after Dorothy. I'm liable to chip a tooth. The girls laughed, even though it wasn't that funny. There were rules when reacting to a boy like Tiago. The engagement level should be proportionate to how cool the person was, which is why the girls at Across High treated Tiago like the embodiment of all three Hansen brothers. Nick scratched carefully at her bandage. Does it hurt? Sarah asked. I'm pretty high on narcotics, so it's not... The sound of Fawn's monologue drowned her out. Of course Fawn had to read her lines twice as loud as necessary, as if she were announcing bingo numbers in a rest home. If Nix wanted to continue her conversation, she'd pretty much have to speak right into Tiago's ear. Suddenly, Fawn didn't seem quite so irritating. Nix leaned in between Sarah and Tiago, so close she could smell Tiago's hair gel. We need to have a team meeting soon. When can we talk in private? Tiago glanced at Sarah. If you don't mind Leo listening in, we can talk on the ride home. Perfect. Nyx reluctantly pulled away from Tiago's personal space. After Leo picked them up, Tiago started the debate from the back seat. Could Brian be Pillowhead? Jordan shook his head. He doesn't have the right body shape. Pillowhead is small and thin. Brian is, well, a beefcake. What's a beefcake? Nix asked. Dude, Leo said with a glance in the rearview mirror. You kids are getting up in everyone's business. Eyes on the road, Tiago said. So what now? Sarah asked. Everyone looked at Nix. When had she become the lead detective? Well, she said, even if Brian was pretending to be Quincy, it doesn't mean the real Quincy isn't out there. And he's dead, Jordan said. Nix nodded. I think the first thing we should do is find Mr. Abendroth's shoe size, just to rule him out as pillowhead. Sarah still looked unconvinced that the Abendroths could be involved at all, but at least she didn't object. Jordan pulled back on Nix's seat. "'Well, you're the one who wandered around in that house for an hour. Did you see any shoes?' "'There were clothes in the closets, so there's got to be shoes,' Tiago sighed. "'I doubt finding Mr. Abendroth's shoe size will prove much, but it's a start.' Jordan rubbed his hands together and grinned. "'I guess we know what we're doing this weekend.'